Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Lilith is often considered the first woman and the first witch. She is one of the most ancient female spirits in history. She appears first as a type of wind spirit known as Lilithu around 3000 BCE. Eventually, she appeared in Jewish mythology and then later became known as Adam's first wife, ousted from Eden for refusing to submit during sex. Her associations with the night, the ability to lure men into destruction, and extreme lust predate her appearance as Adam's wife. Perhaps she was the ideal figure to use as a lesson on the dangers of a liberated woman. Patriarchal religions have tried to reduce her to a baby-murdering mother of demons, but even in their 2,000-year-long smear campaign, we can clearly see how desperately they fear a woman who will rule herself and her sexuality. She not only illustrates their terror that a woman will dominate them, but that they might actually enjoy it. A fierce example of strength and assertiveness for modern women, Lilith is strongly connected to Sumerian goddess Inanna. Some sources place her as the great goddess's companion and handmaiden. Later, she evolved into an aspect of Inanna, presiding over sacred sex rituals. Before it was considered sinful for any purpose other than procreation, ancient people knew sex for what it was, a sacred act of pleasure, and Lilith has embodied that throughout history. She's closely connected with both snakes and owls. There's an ancient Sumerian relief known as the Bernie relief that shows her with wings and the feet of a bird. Some legends say that she even transformed into that very symbol of wisdom, an owl. She's also got a strong connection to snakes, which is interesting. She is sometimes seen pictured with the head and torso of a woman and the lower body of a serpent. Some biblical scholars argue that she transformed into the serpent who tempted Eve with the fruit of the tree of knowledge, thus solidifying the reported evil nature of Lilith and further laying the blame for man's downfall at the feet of women. Another aspect of this legend is that by eating the fruit, Eve served as the awakening force for Adam, and similarly, Lilith played that role for Eve, awakening her to knowledge, to existence beyond the false utopia of the garden. Keep in mind that serpents represent transformation and are closely associated with regeneration, magic, sexual energy, and life force. Lilith's name is rooted in the Sumerian word Lilithu, meaning wind spirit or female demon. I think it's worth exploring, especially for witches, some of whom may still be working under the Christian idea and definition of demon as an evil, brutal, tormenting spirit. That in ancient cultures, a demon was literally any type of spirit or deity. There was not an inherently negative connotation to the title. If anything, demons were neutral. So again, the original definition of demon was not an evil spirit. It was simply the accepted term for a spirit or deity. The thorough demonization of the word demon is largely the work of Christianity. They literally demonized all of the pagan spirits and deities who were revered prior to Christianity. 
Lilith is closely associated with the element of air. She's often described as winged, flying free through the night, again connecting her to the owl. And of the zodiac signs, she's most often related to and compared to Scorpio. She was also considered a succubus, um, a female demon who seduces men, luring them to destruction. Again, we see this theme equating women who enjoy sexuality on their own terms as dangerous, to be feared. How much damage has been done over thousands of years teaching women and girls that sex is for men to enjoy, that women are objects of sex, not equal participants, that pleasure is not the natural domain of women. These beliefs are the literal seeds of rape culture. And Lilith's lesson, her demonstration of unashamed feminine sexuality, is deeply important for witches and all people. We are stronger witches when we are not divorced from our own pleasure. How do we even know what we truly desire if we're not allowing ourselves to experience our humanity and our bodies? If there's one thing I know about goddess themes, it's that the more we cringe away from a certain topic, the more we need to dig into it and heal around it. So this is a quote from Sophie Bashford's book, You Are a Goddess. Not only does Lilith symbolize the uncaptured, undomesticated feminine soul, but she also holds arcane truths that belong to the realms of the dark feminine psyche. Lilith is a dark or deep, vast interior force of the cosmic feminine that cannot be compartmentalized. She is greatly misunderstood. So here we admit to the darkness that Lilith embodies and so brilliantly demonstrates for us just a few moments after we deny her association with evil. I think it's important, mainly because it has been a crucial lesson for me, to understand exactly what we mean when we say that a goddess is dark. When we say dark, do we mean wild? Do we mean angry? What about raw, brutal, primal? When we say dark and arcane, we are acknowledging all of the traits that would definitely not be written into the female lead of a romantic comedy. We are talking about her depth unspeakable desires, the hidden or secret aspects of her life and psyche. Not because they're bad, but because we as a society have been scared of a woman in her fullness, her whole self. Yes, I'm going to bang on about feminist topics again, because it's so relevant. And these are lessons that Lilith is here to teach us. Anger is not evil. Sexual desire is not evil. Wanting to be alone or without a marriage or children is not evil. Being wild is not evil. And I kind of can't believe that we aren't saying this more often. I would encourage our community to be deliberate about the words that we choose, to examine closely the exact nature of a goddess or anything that we are describing as dark. Is there a more accurate word? I think it is important to really understand exactly what lives within this darkness that we're perceiving. For example, if we are feeling uncomfortable around Lilith's themes or with her energy, it's important to dig around and find exactly what it is about her that is causing discomfort. Does your stomach tighten a bit every time her sexuality is mentioned? It's hugely valuable to learn that it isn't her generic darkness that holds lessons for you, 
but that there is healing for you to do around sexuality or eroticism. Today, Lilith is venerated by goddess devotees, witches, ceremonial magicians, and demonologers, those who cooperate with ancient spirits known as demons in their magical work. Her archetype and name are celebrated and invoked in the name of women's rights and equality, and there are so many ways that we can invite her energy and connection into our lives and practices. If I'm trying to build a relationship with a deity, I usually start by creating a shrine or altar devoted to them. This is a visual and physical anchor for their energy in your space, a place to meet their energy and to perform rituals and leave offerings. This is separate from my working altars, a space solely for honoring this deity. Consider using the following list for symbols, sacred items, images, and offerings in her space. Snakes are her foremost animal symbol, also owls and cats. Red is Lilith's primary power color, black, and also pink because of that femme energy. For crystals, garnet is deeply connected to her power. There's also amber, bloodstone, geodes are connected to her association with caves, indigo gabarro, also known as mystic merlinite, black moonstone, red tiger's eye, ruby, and smoky quartz. Some other ideas for connecting with Lilith. Start questioning the good girl standards that we have always accepted. Start examining and being suspicious every time someone tells you that you are a, quote, good girl or good person. What do they really mean? Just like we're learning that our notions of evil and wrong might not serve us, the labels of good and virtuous have been used to rope us into being compliant and easily controlled for far too long. Consider that there are far worse things than being difficult or challenging people. These little actions can begin to liberate your inner wild person. Now, if you find yourself repulsed by Lilith's unabashed sexuality, her selfishness, her revelry in the dark, as I was initially, it is highlighting where we are still affected by patriarchal ideas. All genders are affected. For that reason alone, I think Lilith's energy is essential to a person discovering their own goddess self. Lilith represents all of the completely human urges and aspects that we have been taught to stuff down and deny. It isn't just okay or acceptable for us to be sexual, to be assertive, to be disobedient. It's absolutely essential. Or you could start with this simple challenge for yourself. Apologize less. Listen, being willing to acknowledge your mistakes is really important. But overall, women have been taught to apologize too frequently, especially for things that are not our responsibility or our mistakes. It has been put upon us to lubricate social interactions, and we often ease social tension for others by assuming responsibility, by jumping in and apologizing to ease the moment. Be aware of when you are apologizing unnecessarily, or just make someone else feel more comfortable. See the pattern? Great. Now interrupt it. You are not here to make everyone feel at ease. You do not need to accept responsibility for all situations. In fact, in doing so, you may be denying other people the opportunity to feel the tension that they cause, to reflect, and possibly apologize for their mistakes. 
Next, you knew it was coming, shadow work. As a goddess who has literally been demonized for owning her desires and exhibiting so-called unacceptable traits, who is known for dwelling in caves, Lilith is perhaps the spirit who most perfectly represents shadow work. It's a big subject. I'm currently leading a three-part class on shadow work, and I can't give the topic and techniques the attention they deserve in this format, but if Lilith is calling to you, shadow work will almost certainly be involved at some point. And even if you don't work with Lilith, I cannot recommend shadow work enough for all people. It frees up so much energy that we spend fighting our own desires and allows us to be more whole and integrated versions of ourselves. For magical people, this means more effective magic because our will is not divided by guilt and shame. Now, we can also honor Lilith and all women by observing our judgments of women. I'm not asking you to completely stop critical thoughts of other women. That's a lifelong unlearning of toxic habits. But we can start by simply being aware. When I notice myself judging and holding hateful thoughts about other women, which I do, I try to be gentle with myself and to thoughtfully consider what it is about this person or my perception of her that is causing a defensive reaction. Coincidentally, this is a form of shadow work. At times, I am appalled by my judgmental thoughts, but recently I've really tried to neutralize the shame I feel when I catch myself judging. I try to think, isn't it curious that I feel so strongly about this stranger? Or isn't it curious that this woman's clothing, or whatever it is that I'm criticizing, triggers this response for me? It seems to help move me into a more productive channel of self-exploration. So, Lilith is the perfect goddess to connect with if you need to learn to stand up for yourself. Ask her to help you with this, but be prepared for her to arrange a situation in which you have the opportunity to defend yourself. Trust, she will embolden you. You could also create a shrine or altar devoted to sacred sexuality or disobedient females. Devote a bulletin board or some space on your fridge for images of Angela Davis, Ida B. Wells, Mae West, or any other disobedient, revolutionary, or scandalous woman who inspires you. Leave offerings regularly, not as a bribe, but as a physical representation of your respect and appreciation for what she represents. Leaving offerings also gives me an excuse and a reminder to go to that deity shrine and spend a few moments in connection. I often spend those moments talking to that goddess or spirit. You could also ask Lilith to help you feel free to express your desires, or maybe you need her help to free yourself of shame. An epithet is a descriptive term or phrase that accompanies or is used in place of a name. It would describe the qualities of a character or goddess. Epithets of goddesses sometimes refer to the practical role they played for their followers of the time. Ancient epithets of goddesses are fascinating, giving us a peek at how early followers may have looked to these goddesses for assistance. The practical role of goddesses in our lives in 2020 have changed somewhat. In that interest, I've taken the liberty of compiling the epithets I think are really valuable to modern goddess followers, and I've even added a few of my own. Consider this a portrait of Lilith in a modern setting. Goddess of Wild Women Queen of the Night 
defender and protectress of desire, first feminist, mother of the misunderstood, she without shame, goddess of outcasts, protectress of sex workers, patroness of divorce, the original nasty woman. Now, if you'd like to do some journaling and exploration around her themes, here are some prompts. Consider these as starting points for digging into her energy and anything that might need healing or attention. Also, consider using these prompts one or two at a time over several journaling sessions. Do any of Lilith's themes make you feel uncomfortable or avoidant? Which ones and why? How do I express and connect with my wild nature? How often am I disobedient or non-compliant? How has compliance served me? How has my compliance hurt or wounded me? When was the last time that I took what I wanted? What pop culture icons or characters embody Lilith energy? Are there any sexy bitches in your favorite shows or movies? How do you react to them? Love, hate, love to hate them? What parts of these characters anger you? Are there any aspects of these characters that you envy, even a little? Where in your life do you need to stand up for yourself? And finally, how do you think Lilith might handle that situation? Were she in your shoes for a day? Now, these journaling prompts could easily be converted into a connection ritual. On the night of the dark moon, in a dim room, have a cup of tea, mugwort or yarrow will enhance your psychic insights, light red and black candles, and enter a light trance before asking to to connect with her energy and guidance. You might consider leaving offerings for Lilith in advance of the ritual. The sources for today's episode are The Glam Witch by Michael Herkes, Find Your Goddess by Sky Alexander, You Are a Goddess by Sophie Bashford, and A Goddess is a Girl's Best Friend by Laurie Sue Brockway. How does she show up for you? How do you experience her? How are you called to her? You can leave voice messages with your experiences of the goddesses I have covered, or general questions and comments about the intersection of goddess work and witchcraft. It's easy to record a voice message for me by going to the Witch and Goddess page on anchor.fm. You'll see a little plus sign icon with the word message. Let me know at the beginning if you'd like me to include the message in an episode. Then just click that baby and talk to me. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and share this podcast with fellow magical people. You can directly support this show by visiting the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm and clicking that support button. Follow the show on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod, or find my programs, classes, and groups 
at blackbirdmagic.com, on Facebook at blackbirdmagic, or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com.